And now we take you to Evangel Assembly of God in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. I want to talk to you this morning about the words, the words of your mouth. The words of your mouth. I want you to read aloud and loudly with me, Psalms 19 verse 14. Come on, I want you to use your best voice. Look at this, Psalms 19, verse 14 on the screen. I want you just to yell it out. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Let's let's read it again. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And then let's read aloud Proverbs 6, verse 2. You are snared by the words of your mouth. You are taken by the words of your mouth. And finally, Proverbs 18, 21. Come on, aloud and loudly, everyone together. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. See, the words that you and I speak are very, very important because our words either give Jesus an opportunity to dominate our lives or our words give the devil an opportunity to dominate our lives. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Well, think for a minute about the way you came, became a follower of Christ. How did you get saved? You got saved by believing in your heart that God had raised Christ from the dead and confessing with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now the Bible is the word of God. And this book contains God's thoughts. And God's thoughts are different from my thoughts. God's thoughts are different from your thoughts. Isaiah 58 verses 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And as we read God's word, and as we apply what we read to our lives, there comes a a process, and that process is called transformation. And it results in the renewing of our minds and our ability to start seeing things from God's perspective. And here's the reality. Sometimes the teachings of God's word may seem unreasonable to our way of thinking. Have you ever read a scripture and you're thinking, how is that possible? I remember reading in Matthew chapter 5 when Jesus said, if somebody slaps you on one cheek, turn the other to him. I remember reading that for the first time thinking, you got to be kidding. If somebody slaps me on one cheek, I'm going to slap them back. But Jesus said, if somebody hits you on one cheek, you turn the cheek. And then he goes on, he says, for people that treat you like enemies, do four things. He says, love them, bless them, do good, and pray for them. And I said, Lord, I'm not that holy. Lord, I'm not there yet. Now, why did Jesus say turn the other cheek? Because he wants us to get beat up? I don't think so. Why did he say, I want you to love and bless and do good and pray for other people? Was it because he just wants us to be hurt? I don't think so. 
He said it because he says, I want to fight your battles. I want you to learn. See, turning the other cheek is not so much about what you're doing to that person that has hit you or treated you wrongly. It's are you able to trust God to fight your battles? Are you able to trust God? See, loving your enemies and blessing your enemies and praying for your enemies and doing good for people that treat you like an enemy, it's got a whole lot more to do with you and me acting like Christ so that God can get in the middle of our lives and God can fight our battles because the battle is not yours, it's not mine. The battle is the Lord's. I remember another scripture I read in Luke 6.38 when Jesus said, Give and it shall be given unto you. I remember reading that and thinking, how in the world is that going to happen? Give and it shall be given unto you. I, I mean, the only way I've been able to have money in the bank is I'm able to save and hoard and not go get it out. Right? But Jesus said, Give and it shall be given unto you. Unto you, And then I remember reading in, in Malachi chapter 3, let's put this on the screen, Malachi 3 verses 8 through 12 says, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but you say, In what way have we robbed you? He says, In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me. You're cursed with a curse, because you've robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this says the lord of hosts if i will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing there's not room enough to receive and i will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field says the lord of hosts and all nations will call you blessed for you will be a delightful land says the lord of hosts he says you're robbing god and you are cursed with a curse and you need to bring all the tithe. Well, the tithe is 10% of our income. It's 10% of what we make. I remember reading that thinking, Lord, I can't afford to, to give 10% of what I make. I've got all these bills to pay. And, and, you know, this was back in the, in, in, in the dark ages, okay? We didn't have push pay and we didn't have, you couldn't give online back then. And so we, Kathy and I would literally, when we got our paycheck, what we would do is deposit in the bank and the very first check we would write, we would write our tithe check and we would set it aside and wait until we, it was either to, our time to go to church on Wednesday night or, or Sunday morning and then we would bring our tithe check. Now today, you can just make your deposit and use push pay or go online and take care of it. But, but we had to discipline ourselves to give first because if we didn't, when we looked at our stack of bills, we would be dissuaded from giving. There was something inside us that wanted to say, well, let's pay all these bills and then we'll honor God with our tithe. But you know what? As we learn to honor God with our tithe, here's the deal. God doesn't need your money. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills, but you and I need to give. See, the reality is this. You can't afford not to tithe. I have so many people say to me, pastor, I can't afford to tithe, but the truth is you can't afford not to tithe. Because you need to give because our God is a God of reciprocity. He's a, for God so loved the world that He gave. He's a giver. And when you and I give of our time, talent, and treasure, as we give of our best to Him, folks, there's a God who sees what we're doing in secretly and He says, I am going to reward you openly. And he may not settle up every Saturday night. But I'm going to tell you something. God is a good God and he does take care of us. 
And so we need to be tithing and we need to be giving offerings over and above our tithe. And yet to our natural mind, we think that's impossible. I can't be doing that. That's the reason our mind, we have to get into the word of God and we've got to renew our mind and transform our thinking. You know, you get around some people and all you hear from out of their mouth are bad things. They want to talk about how bad things are. Nothing ever goes right. Oh, I'm sick and I'm depressed and they complain about this and they complain about that. And you know, the way some people talk, you would think that the devil is the Lord of their life. Ooh, let me try it over here. The way some people talk, you would think that Satan is the Lord of their life and not Jesus because their words are all lined up with Satan's mission statement. Did you know he's got a mission statement? It's found in John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief, the devil, does not come except, here's his mission statement, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that you may have life. Zoe, Z-O-E, Zoe life in the Greek. And that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. And dear ones, as we go through life, we've got a choice. We can either talk about the abundant life that Jesus Christ has brought to us, or we can focus and meditate on and speak about how the devil is stealing and killing and destroying. Now there's a principle that's real important for you and me, and it's found in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. It says, they overcame him, they overcame the devil, by the blood of the Lamb, thank God for the blood of Jesus, and by the word of their testimony. What does that mean? The word of their testimony. I need to be, I need to have a testimony in my mouth, and I need to be talking about the abundance of God. I need to be talking about the abundant life. I need you say, well, I'm not experiencing that right now. Well, the reason you're not experiencing it is because you don't have faith for it and you're not speaking to the mountains in your life and telling them to be gone and cast into the, to the midst of the sea. Now don't shout me down because I'm preaching so good. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony and they did not love their life to the death in other words they were consecrated to the will of god lord i'll do what you want me to do i'll say what you want me to to say i'll be who you want me to be lord it's all about you it's not about me lord i'm sold out to you see and our words need to need to agree with his words joel 3 10 says let the weak say i am strong There are Sundays, not today, but there have been Sundays that we'll worship and I'll know that it's time for me to get up and preach. And sometimes when I come up to preach, I feel very weak. In fact, I'm thinking if I wasn't the pastor, I don't know if I'd be here today. Come on, I'm just being honest with you. And there are days that I just take hold of this pulpit as a point of contact. A point of contact is simply something to let you release your faith. When you lay hands on somebody, that's a point of contact to help for the release of faith. And I just laid my hands right here. And I th- thank you, Lord. And I, 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 I may be preaching one thing to you, but I'll tell you what I'm saying in my heart. Let the weak say, I am strong. Come on. The joy of the Lord 
is my strength. Psalm 73, 26 says, God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And the more I stand in faith and believe God, do you know the stronger I get? And before long, I've already, I've preached myself happy. And I forgot about how difficult it was. And I can say it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. But I'm going to tell you something, that not only works on Sundays, that works on Mondays. That works on Tuesdays. That works on Thursdays. That works on Wednesdays. So that works on Friday and Saturday. Oh, you can get up feeling so bad, but you can get in the shower and start declaring the joy of the Lord is my strength. God is supplying all my need according to his riches and glory. God's at work in me to will and to do of his good pleasure. No good thing is he going to withhold from me because I walk uprightly before him. Oh, God is a good God and he's good all the time. And I give you glory and I give you praise. Come on. Hallelujah. When, when I was in college, I was invited to preach at a little church in the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains. And this little country church probably had about 50 people there. I was so excited. And I, I wasn't quite prepared for what the pastor did. The pastor said, we're going to have a testimony service. If you can testify to the goodness of the Lord, and that's what a testimony should be, a testimony to the goodness of the Lord. If you can testify to the goodness of the Lord, I want you to share. And people, this lady over here stood up and shared a few words that was good, another another person. And then the third person that stood up, though, was was an old farmer. And and I timed it. He, he, he spoke for 17 minutes that morning. And he talked about how bad things were in his life. He, it was, it was, you know, he could have been one of the guys on Hee Haw saying gloom, despair, agony on me, deep, dark depression, excessive misery. And he talked about his cows having the black foot disease or the black leg disease. And it, it, I didn't know what it was at that time. I did some research, found out it's a terrible disease. It'll, uh, it'll kill an animal within 12 hours. It's horrible. Could wipe out your whole herd. And he just talked on and on and on about how bad things were. And, and then he says, and he ended it by saying, well, y'all pray for me that I'll stand true to the end. And I thought, well, brother, I am going to pray for you. But the Bible says we're taken by the words of our mouth. We're snared by the words of our mouth. What if that dear brother, I mean, here it is. That was long, long, long time ago. And I can still, it's still as vivid to me as I was there. And the reason it was vivid is because our dear brother lost his opportunity to say, you know what? Macaws may have the Blackfoot disease and this may be going wrong and that may be going wrong. But I'm going to tell you something. Jesus is on the throne of my heart and he's my Jehovah Jireh and he's supplying all my need and he's working on my behalf and he's going to take what the devil's meant for harm and he's going to turn around for my good and the joy of the Lord is my strength and I'm like a revival going someplace to heaven I got a merry heart that does me good like a medicine my footsteps drop abundance I'm blessed when I come and when I go I'm the head and not the tail hallelujah I'm gonna pray for y'all that y'all get the victory that I've got glory to God Man, when you testify, when you testify to what God has done 
and what he is doing. See, here's the problem for most of us. We can't see what he is doing, but we know what he is doing by the promises in his word. There are over 7,000 promises in the word of God, and every one of those promises is for you. And we can know what he is doing. When we testify, even when you can't see it, but when you begin to testify to what he is doing, you bring glory. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. You bring glory. See, when you complain about stuff, you're bringing glory to the devil. But when you give glory to God, you're testifying to what he is doing. I was down in South America, and I, I just agreed. My host told me, said, we want you to preach in about six or seven different churches. And every night they sent me to a different church. And, 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 and most of them were Assemblies of God. Some were independent. There's just all kinds of churches. And um, you're going to have a different interpreter every, every place you go. So I didn't know. I was just, I said, yes, hallelujah, let's go. And, and this, this pastor and his wife picked me up in their car, and they began sharing with me as we drove. Lima, Peru, is a huge city, you know, 7,000, 7 million people, and it's not laid out like Tallahassee's laid out. It was just kind of, this group of people built here, and this group of people built here, and so they created roads, and so it's real hard to get from one place to the other. So we rode for about an hour, and this husband and his wife, this pastor and his wife, told me they used to live in Minneapolis, but they were Peruvian and they'd come, come, come back to, to, to Lima and they had founded their church. And to be honest with you, their car was an old beat up junker. I mean, I, I saw it and I thought, oh Lord, may it get us there and back. I mean, that's really my prayer. And, and, and they, 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 they told me, he said, we know our car is not so nice, but pastor, let me tell you, God has got a wonderful car on the way for us. We're so excited. We just know it's coming almost any day. And I looked at, the way they were dressed and her, her, her outfit was kind of threadbare. And she says, Pastor, it may not look like I have much, but I want you to know God has got a wonderful wardrobe for me. God is coming. He is my Jehovah Jireh. He's supplying all of my needs. And I am so excited. And the pastor was, I'm sitting in the front seat with him and I'm looking over at his shoes and the leather is worn out. He had breathable loafers. Pastor, my shoes may not look so nice, but God has got some wonderful shoes for me. And they kept bragging on God. And you know what it made me want to do? And I did. It made me want to bless them. Man, I I took out all the cash I had and I gave it to them. I blessed them because they were bragging on God. They were giving glory to God. Now I have to tell you, I've gotten in the car with other people in third world nations and they immediately say, Pastor, you see our car's not nice, our clothes aren't nice. Don't you have an offering for us? Can't your church start supporting us every month? I get that all the time. Can't your church send us offer? Everybody thinks that I guess we're made of money, but but anyway, can't your and, and you know and and I bless those people, I do. But but it's really it's kind of a grudging, like, oh, I wish you wouldn't ask me. I wish you'd just let the Holy Spirit speak to my heart. See, folks, there's something about faith, it pleases God. And we're taken with the words of our mouth and we're snared by the words of our mouth and we can speak life or we can speak death. Hallelujah. When I talk defeat, 
when I talk just I focus just on the problems I'm giving glory to the devil and I'm convinced of this that many people are losing the blessings that God has for them because they're talking like Satan is on the throne instead of like Jesus Christ is on the throne hallelujah you know our roof is looking some better since we pressure washed it you know it was you you may or may not have noticed but we've uh, in the last uh, five years we painted this roof twice and twice the paint just started peeling off also over the administrative area we also repainted the roof over the over the where, where kid venture is but that paint is doing fine and so we repainted it, and uh, we, 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 we tried to, to deal very nicely with the, the principals involved, and they wouldn't even communicate with us. We had to get lawyers involved, and uh, they let us know that they were willing to go to court, that they had expert witnesses that would testify that it was our fault, that we had mildew involved in the paint, and just all this stuff. And, 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 you know, and here's the deal. All we want is justice. All we want is justice. And sometimes you forget that Jesus says, turn the other cheek, don't you? Well, I'll just take them to court. We'll we'll make them pay for this. And the board prayed about it and prayed about it and prayed about it. And and last month, I just knew God had spoken to me and said, don't, don't even think about suing them. Don't even think about going to court. That's not the way I want to handle this. And as soon as we realized we weren't going to court, we, boy, we had this thing washed. Glenn got on that thing, had somebody that week to wash it, and it's looking better. But we still got to do an application. And here's the deal. It's $100,000 just for the application, for the, for the, for the roof. So it, it could be even more than that. But I'm going to tell you what the Holy Spirit has told me. God is going to take care of that. I'm telling you, God is going to take care of that. David said, I've been young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. Let me just brag on God. The need is met. You know, we've had some plans drawn up because we need to, you know, the building, our education building was built back in the 1969, 1970, 1971. And, you know, it needs some more attention inside and so we've got the plans drawn. We've got the plans drawn for actually making some major renovations over there. But it's about $150,000, $200,000 to do it. I'll tell you what, God's going to help supply that. It's coming in. I, I'm just telling you by faith in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Somebody say glory to God. Say glory to God again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, I asked Glenn just to tell everybody Wednesday night that I was going to preach the most important message in my life. It's good to see Glenn and Cherie in service with us this morning, not back in Kinventure. I've, I've had hundreds, if not thousands of people have said to me, Pastor, I'm so concerned about the direction of our country. I'm so concerned about what's going on i'm afraid of the nation that our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren are going to inherit 
Well, I'm concerned about our country too. But you know what? That doesn't change the Word of God. The Word says, blessed is the nation. This is Psalms 33, verse 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. 2 Timothy 1, verse 7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and a sound mind. Yeah, but this is going wrong and that's going wrong. I know, but God has not given you a spirit of fear unless you'll accept a spirit of fear. See, fear doesn't come from, from outside, from, 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 from inside us. It may seem like fear is inside us, but fear comes from outside us. And God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And that does not mean that we go put our heads in the sand and ignore what's going on. I'm not saying that at all. Thank God we live in a democracy. Thank God that we get to vote. Thank God that we get a say in things. So we don't go put our heads in the sand and just, just ignore everything. But I'm telling you, for me, I've decided I want to be filled with love and power and a sound mind. I don't want to give place to a spirit of fear. I love this nation. First three or four times I traveled outside the United States and went to third world nations. When I got back, I literally kissed the tarmac. No lie. It's the truth. I pressed my lips in Miami one time on a hot, hot tarmac. But I was so glad to be in this country where God has shed his grace on us. But we're at a crossroads. We're at a crossroads. In two and a half weeks, we're going to elect a president. And I've had a lot of you, not, not a lot of you, I'd say I've had a number of you have come up to me and said, Pastor, are you going to vote for Hillary or for Donald Trump? What are you going to do? And, and, and I'll just be honest with you. I just want to vote for King Jesus. <laughs> I, I, my heart of hearts, I'm, you know, Jesus is my Lord. He's my King. He's my Sovereign. I would just want His glory to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. I mean, that, that's, 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 that's really my heart. But it's not quite time for that. We're not here yet. One day, the trumpet of God is going to sound, isn't it? One day, the dead in Christ are going to rise. One day, those of us that remain are going to join them in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord, comfort one another with these words, the scripture says. One day, the trumpet of God is going to sound, and Jesus is going to come back on a white horse, and every eye is going to see him. But until that day, what do we do? The Bible says that we're to occupy. Jesus says, I want you to occupy till I come. In other words, I want you to do business until I come. Folks, that means that we work harder than ever to share the gospel with the lost. 
How many of you realize there's a whole lot of people that are going to go to hell if they don't repent, if they don't change, if they don't turn to the Lord Jesus Christ? We work hard to share the gospel with the lost. We work hard to connect people with Jesus Christ and to get baptized in the Holy Ghost. We work hard to help people to to grow in Christ-likeness. We work hard to help people to to find places to, to serve in the church, in the world, and to make a difference in this old world, to be an ambassador for Christ. But getting back to the election, I, I think I think both candidates, I think the candidates for both parties are deeply flawed. I mean, that's really that's, that's just my opinion. I, I think there are demons at work in the Democratic Party, and I think there are demons at work in the Republican Party. And here's 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 what it comes down to for me. There, there are three things. Number one. I have to ask myself, who, if they're in the White House, are going to make Supreme Court appointments that we will have Supreme Court justices who will set the law of the land most consistently with what the Bible teaches? Because here's the truth. We're going to elect somebody and they're going to serve for four years or maybe for a second term for eight years. But those Supreme Court justices, they're going to be serving for, week, for, for, for years and years and years and years to come. Okay, so, so here's the question. Do, you know, I, I look at, I look at our, our, our current Supreme Court justices. Clarence Thomas, I know he gets, he gets persecuted, but Clarence Thomas is a Bible-believing Christian his wife is a tongue-talking believer in Jesus Christ. I pray. I pray that our justices will have a biblical worldview. And so I've got to ask myself, who's going to appoint a justice that's going to have a biblical worldview and will make laws that's going to ensure the freedom of religion did you know that in some circles today they're no longer referring to the freedom of religion as religion they're calling it freedom of worship and they're wanting to restrict where we can worship and where we can't do i want to vote for a presidential candidate that's going to appoint a liberal socialist justice who embraces globalism see globalism sounds pretty good when you when you when you when you just hear it but let me tell you globalism is more than just saying let's have a world without borders globalism is a rush to one world government globalism is a rush to have a place where the antichrist can reign and i know i know we're headed there one day i the bible says that I just pray that God will give us some more time that we can have a reprieve because there are too many people that will go to hell. There's too many people that don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. There are too many people that are walking in darkness today for the sake of our children and our grandchildren and our future grandchildren. Mm. Number two, I, I, I think about who's going to stand up for the rights of the unborn? Of these two candidates, who's going to stand up for the rights 
of the unborn. And who's going to who's going to embrace planned parenthood? You know planned parenthood today is being they they've been caught selling baby parts from abortions to pharmaceutical companies to do embryonic research which is technically against the law folks that's the stuff of nazi germany did you know that hitler exterminated he killed over six million jews in world war ii but since roe versus wade over 55 million babies have been aborted in the united states Who are these babies being aborted? A great number of them are black babies. A great number of them are Hispanic babies. And white babies. And Asian babies. And we live in a world where there are those who want to say, well, when a woman conceives in her womb, it's not really a baby. It's the product of conception. It's an embryo. I'm sorry. It's a human being. It's a life. And the most popular form of abortion is through a suction process. They, they literally vacuum a baby out of the womb and they tear that little body limb from limb. And they say, well, that's not really a person. Folks, a couple of years ago, our daughter Terry was pregnant with our grandson, Jonathan David. And Jonathan David went to heaven while he was in Terry's womb. And at 19 weeks, in 19 weeks, Terry went to the hospital and she gave birth to a little boy that was no longer breathing. But when that little boy came out of the womb, they gave him to us. And we got to hold that little 19-week-old. His hands were formed perfectly. His feet and his toes were formed perfectly. His little ears, his little head, his little nose, his little mouth, his little eyes. Folks, I pray that we have revival in this nation. I'm not here to throw bricks at anybody. But I pray that everybody who, who's had an abortion and the abortionist and everyone that has stood for this, I pray there'd be worldwide repentance. Because I don't want them to stand before the great white throne of judgment day of God and have to give an account. Because there's no defense. There's no defense. And so I ask myself, number one, which presidential candidate is going to appoint Supreme Court justices that are going to have a biblical worldview. Number two, I ask myself, which Supreme Court candidate, I mean, which presidential candidate is going to take a stand for the defenseless, for the unborn? And number three, I ask myself, which party platform most aligns 
with the Scripture. And you can go, all you got to do is Google party platform, Democratic Party, party platform, Republican Party. You can either, even look at the party platforms for the independents. You can just Google it and you can read it. You can download it. You can print it out. Folks, you ask yourself, which of these platforms most resembles a biblical worldview? I'm not telling you who to vote for. I wouldn't do that. And I don't demand that you share my views. But regardless of who's elected, hear me, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and a sound mind. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and a sound mind. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and a sound mind. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and a sound mind. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and a sound mind. God has not given you a spirit of fear when the children of Israel walked through the wilderness for 40 years their shoes did not wear out when they needed food God brought quail and he brought manna when they needed water he had a rock that followed them and it brought forth water God's going to take care of you God's going to take care of you I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging bread is what David said. Somebody say hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Hallelujah. James chapter 4 verse 7 says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. from." How in the world do you resist the devil? One of the ways that you resist the devil is you say about yourself the same thing that the Word of God has to say. One of the ways that you resist the devil is you say about yourself what the Word of God has to say about you. Hallelujah. Isaiah 41. Let's look at that. Verse 10. Fear not. For I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will. Woo! Where's he going to strengthen you? Is he going to strengthen your your mind, your will, your emotion? I think he's going to strengthen your spirit, man. And you get in line with God's word, you're going to have his strength. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. See, when you start saying, hey, my God is strengthening me, my God is upholding me, and my God is helping me. Man, you get up in the morning and nothing's going right. Car won't start. Refrigerator's broken. Nothing's working right. You just got to say, hey, my God is strengthening me. My God is upholding me. My God is helping me. And my God's going to make this all work together for my good. God's going to help me. He's my refuge and strength, the very present help in time of trouble. Let me just kind of close with this story. When, when I, we were pastoring in Illinois, we had a little lady that came to our church. And uh, one day she came to see me. She said, Pastor Terrell, I just need to tell you that 
I've spent months, I've even spent years in psychiatric institutions because I have been seized by a spirit of fear. She says, my mom and dad, when I was little, all they did was talk about fear. They were super negative. And I grew up speaking about fear and, and doubt. And she says, but when I came to your church and I heard you preach, she says, hope would spring up inside me. And, and I realized I didn't have to always talk about fear and about doubt. And, and did you know that at the time that we left Illinois to come here, that lady had not had to go back into an institution again because she quit speaking her fear. See, if, you, if all you do is meditate on fear, if all you do is meditate on things that are going wrong, if that's all you think about and all you're speaking, it'll put you in a mental institution. It will. Let me read you two scriptures. You don't have it on the screen. Let me just read them to you. First Peter 2.24. Norm, come on to the keyboard. First Peter 2.24. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we having died to sins might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Matthew 8.17, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. You see, too, too much of the time, we go by the testimony of what our physical body is saying, what our senses are saying, rather than what God's word is has to say, he himself took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses. As we close this service, there there, there are a couple of things we want to do. I'm going to ask, just a second, I'm going to ask you to stand, but I'm going to ask you this, don't don't, don't leave, just stay. Unless you've got an appointment, just, just stay with us for a little bit. And then I've got two things I want to do. Let's all stand. Let's all stand. I tell you what we want to do is we want to, number one, I want to just pray, lay hands on everybody here that's got cancer. Everybody here that's got an inoperable condition, an operable disease. It might be, it might be a heart disease. It might be something else. But if you've got, if you've been told by the doctor, well, we just, there's not a whole lot we can do here. I, I just, I just want you to, to slip on down here and let us lay hands on you you may you may may have it may be like congestive heart failure where it's hard for you to to breathe it 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 could be any number of things but we want to we want to lay hands on you we want to pray for you come on just just come on down here and let us pray for you i believe god's going to do some miracles today i said i believe god's going to do some miracles today come on come on come on Come on. There's, there's a couple more of you, a couple more of you that need to, to be a part of this. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Has anybody got a mitral heart valve issue? An issue with your heart valve? Anybody at all? We just want to pray for you. Now I want everybody to just bow your heads and close your eyes. Everybody bow your heads and close your eyes. Don't, don't look around. Don't talk right now. You'd say, Terrell, I, 
I need the Lord Jesus Christ in my life. You know, God loves you. But he says, not everybody that says to me, Lord, Lord is going to enter the kingdom, but he that does the will of my Father in heaven, because it's impossible for a holy God to allow sin into heaven. And that's the reason we need to repent of our sins. That's the reason we need the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives. And I'm going to ask Pastor Zach to come and stand right here. And if you'd say, Pastor Terrell, today, I want to give my heart to Christ. I need the Lord Jesus Christ in my life. If I died tonight, I don't have the assurance that I would wake up in heaven. There's some of you, you know the Lord, but you've been, you've been going in a direction you shouldn't go. You've been doing things you shouldn't do, and you know that, and you need to get your heart right with God today. And Pastor Zach wants to pray with you. And then there's, a, there's another group of you here today, and you're just not sure that you're saved. You prayed to receive the Lord Jesus Christ, but you don't have assurance inside your heart. But you want to have that assurance. Let me just encourage you right now in Jesus' name just to step out and come and pray with Pastor Zach. And he's got a gift that he wants to give you. So, so two things are going on. We're going to be praying for these people right up, up here. And we'll pray for others that, that, that was our prayer this morning. And Pastor Zach is praying with people to get right with God over to your far left right now. Amen. Amen. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and His church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 10.30 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.